Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, even though he, as self-proclaimed on his stream, has missed three of our episodes, he's he's with me here in spirit, even when he's not. Always here, Mr. Ethan Sachs. How's it going? It's going great, buddy. Yeah, I, you know, you. I, I think you always say always. I'm I'm batting close to a thousand, but just not not quite, not quite. Few a few off. So I I appreciate the rounding up that you do every week when you introduce me. Absolutely, wouldn't be the same without you. Um, have you been dabbling? I know what you've been dabbling with. You haven't done any of the premier mix up drafts, have you? Jesus, no. <laughs> that sounds horrible to me. Like it's pretty, it's pretty I, fun. No. It's pretty fun. It's <laughs> the opposite of fun. <laughs> okay. Um, but you have been dabbling with something that is non Lord of the Rings. I saw on Twitter. I have, but that was largely initially out of necessity. So my younger brother's in town for the weekend. I've been hanging out with them. But you know, it was Jones in for draft a little bit. And quick draft, like you can just like pop in, make some picks, leave, pop in, make some picks. Like you're not waiting on a table, so we, actually, we all know what Quick Draft is. Yes, describe it to us. I appreciate. It. Well, some people might have forgotten the convenience. Like if you're <laughs> at a point in your life where you need to make some picks, boom, 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 and you haven't thought about Quick Draft in a while. Yeah, it's great, great solve to like the whole 20, 30 minute commitment problem. So, did a Quick Draft of DMU out of necessity, and then was like, oh yeah, this format is incredible, and have since done a couple other Quick Drafts because I love that format. Just just drafting the Ethan Sachs black white special. Uh, yeah, that format is open from the bots. Feels good. Yeah, love it. Love it. Yeah, I actually don't love DMU, but I love that you're drafting black white and trophying with it. And I'm glad that the convenience of quick draft is still an appeal for you. Yeah, you know, busy guy. What can well, I say? It's school you're starting up. Summer's slipping away. That's true. That's when does it start for you, actually? Uh, this Wednesday. Teacher meetings on Tuesday. It's brutal. Teacher meetings are going to suck the life out of me. It always sneaks up on me, but I'm just always shocked at how early you start in Indiana. Yeah. Also, way out of character for me on Tuesday during our teacher meetings, complete aside here, complete non sequitur, I am going to be seeing if I got a code to be able to get my niece's Taylor Swift tickets. Do you know how this works? How insane this is? For the Eras tour? I don't know. Next yeah, year, sorry. like 2024, she's coming to Indianapolis, apparently. And okay. you're like getting in a lottery to get a code to get tickets on an unknown day for like $400. That's insane. That is insane. It's insane. But it's T-Swift. But are you, you know. are you a Swifty? Where, where are you at on uh, Taylor Swift these days? I mean, I enjoy a good Taylor Swift song. We're playing a Taylor Swift song in our Marching Man show this year. Which Hashtag song? Hashtag current. Hashtag uh, very current. Love story, I think, is the name of it. Love story, I think, is the name of it. Confirmed. Romeo and Juliet. Not so current. Yeah. Not so current. Not so current. That's a banger not, from, not from one before. of the most recent bops, but yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I think we vamped enough for whatever reason, but we are I it's it's always sneaks up. Happily, I would say, when it sneaks up. Uh we're here for the 50 takes. We're here to send off Lord of the Rings Tales of Middle Earth in uh Lords of Limited fashion. And I have to say, I think I'll miss the set, though I've, I'm not drafting it currently because I'm enjoying these mix up drafts. But this was a, a welcome surprise for the summer. Yeah, by far and away, the best summer set we've had since starting the podcast. Not close because usually summer's like, yeah, I get a draft, like have some time. And then the format is poop largely. Yeah. yeah. And then I like 
play, you know, for the podcast, but I'm not playing outside of when I want to play. This format was incredible. Just an awesome gift this summer. Like, yeah, hugely overperformed expectations. And I think just completely held up to a lot of great sets like following mom and not falling flat is like awesome. Yeah, it's huge. And and they're they couldn't really be more different, I would say, because, well, and let's not spoil it. We've got 50 takes to go through. We're going to talk about all of our our hot takes, all of our synopses of the format as a way for us to summarize our uh, experience drafting the set the past few months, send it off. And then also a great place to return to to get our takes if, you know, the, the set comes back for a flashback. So let's take care of some housekeeping stuff and then dive into these takes. First things first, the Patreon page, patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where folks can go to give back to the show if they so choose the show will always be free but we got some great perks over at the patreon page while well, we're sending off lord of the rings tales of middle earth this week that means a new set is right around the corner wilds of eldraine you're on watch because you've got a lot to live up to my former goat eldraine is coming back new sets coming in in just a few weeks and that is when you're going to want to get in on the lords of limited discord which is what everybody who gives back via the patreon gets access to it's hopping it's popping 24 7 limited tech support a great community of like-minded limited individuals to break a new format wide open some great things as you move up the reward tier rankings get access to the show notes in advance of the episode get access to the episode a day early you know i've been a little wonky with that i have to apologize to some of our <laughs> some of our patrons i've been a little wonky with traveling whatever trying to get this video version out shout that out too we're dropping a video version on our youtube channel of the podcast each week that's this one should actually be out timed well with the episode but anyway we're doing a lot of good stuff over the patreon page all the way up the reward tier rankings you get access to monthly coaching sessions with me or ben so if any or all of that sounds of interest to you or you just want to support the show monetarily patreon page is the way to do that and we also want to shout out our new patrons the first week they join. So this week we are welcoming Michael, Sean, Jessica, Leander, Gabe, and Jason. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, completely agree. Cannot say thank you enough. I have a question for you. I This is the first time we're on video here recently, two to three weeks. And normally, you know, when you're doing our, our Patreon spiel, I get a little chance to rest and relax and just kind of zone out for a bit while you do the ad read. I need to know there's there's some sick hand gestures going on here we got like a rap going on on the old youtube version is that happening always i i I, i've told i've never lied about this i've been very upfront with you (laughs) i'm a big hand gesture guy just i just do it i feel like you're you're over there your shoulders are down i feel like you might even be sitting on your hands right now i can't do it i gotta be free (laughs) i'm not sitting on my hands my microphone is down so i gotta get i get i gotta get low to get get that, that good audio quality Great. Show's also brought to you by Cool Stuff Inc., coolstuffinc.com, where they've got cool stuff in stock. And you better believe they've got some cool stuff. Commander Masters, if you're of the Commander's Persuasion, you can buy boxes of that right now to store in the closet. Or you probably only need, like, what, three friends to draft Commander Masters? Maybe you could fire that off right away. Hmm. Let's see. I've got the hand gestures going, too, over here. See? Yeah, it's about the ad read. You got to get it to pop. But I was also tooling around on just the Cool Stuff website in general. And I played a lot of board games with my family this week. My younger brother was in town. I mentioned that. If you want to pick up some board games for your board game collection, they have quite the selection there. So tons of things over at CoolStuffInc.com. And whatever you're purchasing, please make sure you use checkout code LOL, all caps, to get 5% off your order. Boom. All right. Any uh, any preamble here? We've, we've preambled enough, but I'll, I'll give you one one last chance to throw anything into the mix before we put 50 minutes on the clock and get to our list here. No, let's do it. All right. Starting our 50 takes off with number one, 
Lord of the Rings Tales of Middle-Earth was a throwback to simpler times and magic. And often I feel like that has some negative connotations attached to it. But I would say not this time around. I don't know. I want to be able to spend four mana to draw two cards and feel terrible about it. That was an amazing feeling in this format. Like Arwen's Gift, you know, three and a blue, scry two, draw two cards, and it cost one less via two legendaries. That was actually kind of achievable, not in the blue decks really so much. Yeah, right. That card being castable and giving you an advantage instead of putting you at a disadvantage was a refreshing feeling for me. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think just like going back to, you know, thinking about rate and and not to say that there wasn't synergy that existed in the format because there certainly was macro and micro, I would say, you know, you had large sweeping like blue red spells deck, but then you also had little, you know, little pockets of synergy, little tokens action happening every which way, stuff like that. So I, I just really appreciated and we'll get to, you know, the big overwhelming mechanic, the the ring tempting in just a little bit, but I would say slam dunk for LTR on a throwback. Well, and I would also say too, there wasn't obscene amounts of text on cards either. Like, well, yeah, because all the text was on the the ring tempting, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, but really I mean, saves you a lot of time that saves you from reading sixty cards with that much text. Like it's one card, and you had to like grok how ring tempting worked. But once you did, it was pretty clean design mm-hmm. on the cards, and I think not super complex, but just very pleasing in how everything played out. And the pace was a little slower. I just, I just loved everything about this format. Agree. Number two, speaking of Lord of the Rings was a win on Lord of the Rings flavor, mechanics and gameplay. It just was the complete package, the triple threat. Yeah, I I think so. And I almost never pay attention to that stuff. Like, I don't really care about the characters and magic. And not to say that I really cared that much about the characters in Lord of the Rings, but it was fun to like see things play out it was cool to like you know whatever the nine copies of nazgul or the 13 treasures that uh there and back again made when you killed smaug because that was like the 13 shares of the treasure or whatever like that's cool right well and not that it's like super awesome and i think that's kind of what you're alluding to also but For us, like, I think I speak for you as well. We're in the same boat here. Like, flavor is at the bottom of the barrel of things that we care about. But I think my, before playing with this, my stance for myself before experiencing would have been, I'm not going to like that. Like, it doesn't, it's not going to feel like magic. I think that's how I would have thought, told you I was going to feel. But it wasn't that. It was like, oh, that's cool. And then it was just like, back to playing magic. But there were a lot of, oh, that's cool moments. Like, that's cute. That kind of thing. And then you're just back to playing magic because magic is awesome. (laughs) It doesn't matter what skin magic is wearing. I totally agree with that. And makes me excited for whatever IP they decide to combine magic with in the future, you know? It looks like there's Assassin's Creed coming. (laughs) And Final Fantasy in two summers, that's for sure going to be limited, I assume, because that's the Lord of the Rings slot. But I I never know when they make the announcements. Like, Half the stuff is like secret layers. So I'm oh, like, yeah. does this ever apply to me? I don't know. So I just wait until closer to the release. <laughs> but yeah, lots of uh, lots of crossovers coming our way. Oh, but did you also see we're just like totally off the rails here two points in. Did you see that Triple Cons is coming to Arena? I did. Ooh, it's going to be so good. Blue, blue green tempo. There we go. We're going to learn about blue green two drops. That's right. Number three, color imbalance was a large part of the format, but it didn't detract from the format. Honestly, 
I would say that's a boon. It's one of the things that I'll remember about the set the most is I'm going to use my least favorite word to talk about limited magic, the meta shift Ooh. that happened, right? Like we can't, I came in hot after week one. I was like, I'm never touching green with a 10 foot pole. And now I'm at the point where like, I can't draft responsible decks or good decks when they're open. Cause all I want to do is draft the like green multicolor nonsense decks Sometimes you get to a point where you think like, well, there's really only three decks in the format. And unless you lump all the blue decks in the format together, there's like six or seven decks that I'm happy drafting in this format, which is a pretty rare sight, I would say. Yeah, well, and the other thing, I think we're going to talk about this later, but they're all fun. Like the decks are fun to pilot and the games are fun to play. And there are lots of decisions that matter despite the cards being, I think, fairly cleanly designed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think it's it's all, all slam dunk. And I would say, too, I think I kind of tend to enjoy formats that are color imbalanced. I like figuring out which are the best and then when you're supposed to do the, the least good colors, like when it's right to draft white, when it's right to draft green mm. compared to those other things and when the meta starts to shift because everybody figures out these other things are better, you know? Yeah, because then you get whatever two weeks to just play in the sandbox before everybody else hops in. For sure. It's a good feeling. (laughs) Number four, speaking of that color imbalance, black was the best color by a lot. Maybe not by a lot. I don't know. Blue is kind of close. Blue is... It's not that close. I'm I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's really not. Like, blue has some good cards. Black's just like the depth of as we'll talk about in just a second it's uncommons but then it's commons that you're just like wait that's so good like mordor muster was in my top three black commons for a while and it's certainly not anymore like probably it's number six at this point which is wild there are probably five black commons better than mordor muster that's wild it's impressive yeah so after black we have blue number two red number three white number four and bringing up the rear Last, but not least, but certainly last, green. Yeah, but totally playable under the right circumstances. And I think should at least be a green drafter per pod. Like Maybe could support two, depending on how the packs break. But the other thing, too, I think the data didn't tell the whole story here, uh, certainly initially. What's the, time, what's the time stamp here of you <laughs> ripping on in. data? Okay, okay. 15 minutes in. I saved it. But <laughs> I think this is a Grixis format. And I think the data largely told you it was a Mardu format for the bulk of the format. Unless you were filtering by top drafters. And I, again, I don't follow the data at all, so I don't know when that shift happened. But I think it's cool that this was a Grixis format, but that a lot of the more straightforward cards, like a lot of the cards that were, you know, whatever. We talked about this as a core set, and do we, I don't want to get into, like, is this a core set? Was that a core yeah, set yeah. discussion? But I think one of those things is the cards are more straightforward. And a lot of those more straightforward good cards that are harder to mess up playing with we're in the Mardu colors. And that was what the data pointed towards being good, which makes sense because it's hard to mess up with those types of cards. So just as an example here to show how busted black was, number five, we have the top five black uncommons. Coming in at number one is Nazgul, one of the ring wraiths. Number two, Gollum Patient Plotter. I love Gollum Patient Plotter. Number three, Voracious Fellbeast. 
We had no quibbles on this order. Are you co-signing this? I'll co-sign. I, I, you know I don't care about these lists. <laughs> Number four, Gollum's Bite. Number five, here, here's where I think I'd swap. You have Gothmog, Morgul Lieutenant as number five. I think I would put the honorable mention here at number five of Bitter Downfall, and I'd say Gothmog gets the honorable mention. Yeah, I'd love Gothmog. I'm going to fight for Gothmog at number five. Army in a can, like once you play Gothmog, you are stable Mabel. Well, and and if you get any other synergies, right, as we'll talk about a little later, it, it's not that it just gives that, that amassed token death touch. It's all your tokens, baby. But regardless of which one of those you're putting in six, wild that there are six uncommons that are that awesome. Right. Yeah, the, that are all six uncommons in a color that all feel like, yeah, I'll first pick that. Right. Yes. <laughs> Number six. Ring tempting was a super powerful mechanic that played out incredibly well in game. Like a plus. We, we've talked about it week after week, but I think it's really impressive. Yes, I would say the one knock against it is that it's a little snowball-y, but not as much as you would think. You have to work to get it to do that, though. And the fact that it's a, it's a mechanic associated with attacking, but it incentivizes you to associate the mechanic with a low-powered creature so that it connects, so that you get the benefits actually makes it not that aggressive of a mechanic you know like it's a mechanic that both control decks and aggro decks are happy to engage with I, when i saw this i was like oh this is just going to be a super aggro format because like the main mechanic cares about attacking it's not actually how it played out which is very impressive well and also i think too very impressive that like week one we were talking about everything with ring tempting like you should bump up right we, uh -huh. we talked about that but i think too over the course of the whole format like the ring tempt cards just like the stonks just kept going up and up right and up and up on the ring tempting cards i don't think people quite understood how good it was and it kept going up week after week after week and people finally i think have realized you really just want critical mass of ring tempting like it's impossible to have too much Oh, yeah, definitely impossible to have too much. And then the bar of like, how bad of a card that says, and the ring tempts you? Does it have to be before you're like, I don't want to include that. And I don't think they really printed any of them. And then I always forgot, you know, when they buried the ring tempts you into like a chapter of a saga. I always forgot when that happened. Like someone would like they'd play like there and back again. And I'd be like, well, whatever. I don't care. My creature can't block. I'm like, wait, the ring tempts you too right now. <laughs> how is that fair? Definitely not. Number seven, getting to ring level two was the most important, followed by ring level four. What, what's your thought on the discourse? I'm sure you've been privy to this, that perhaps level two and level three should have been swapped because, you know, level one, largely irrelevant, level two, very good, level three, largely irrelevant, level four, very good, that we should have swapped two and three. I have not heard that take, and I think I disagree with it because it gives access to decks that don't have once once you put that at level three then the only decks that get to care about ring tempting are like lot are ones that nine. have like nine nine instances which is just unrealistic the ones that have six like getting to matter is cool and then that also i don't know like just the the barrier to entry for starting to care about the mechanic i think gets too high mm -hmm. so yeah, yeah. I, I don't like that I, I love the way they did it I really liked it too. And I also liked that, like, you know, it starts with, okay, you can't block it. And then it starts with, okay, but if you're going to block it, you, or not that you can't block it, but the creature is hard to block. And then, but number three is, well, if you do block it, you're going to better be sure you can kill it because your creature is going to die. Like, I, I really liked it a lot. And then for cosign your, your thoughts about swapping two and three. 
um, being, I think, a net negative for the mechanic overall. Number eight, the Grixis colors were the best, partially because they had easier and better access to the ring tempting at common. Yeah, we were gonna do an episode um, for this where we were like, because I was just so excited about, let's bring separate lists to every podcast episode. <laughs> it's so fun. Um, after our, our PT testing episode. But we were going to do an episode where we like redesigned some cards, right? So came in and we're like, okay, you get to do like five buffs, five nerfs type deal. And I think that would have been interesting, but also it really brought to bear. I was like, oh, all of green and white's ring tempting cards are basically bad and all of blue black and reds are good right which is where the color imbalance stem from which is fine i think it's okay that that happened but if you wanted to make the format more balanced you probably chill on the food making a little bit and give green and white just some better ring tempting cards like if many parting says the ring tempts you instead of make a food token like all of a sudden green is excellent right yeah it doesn't take that much, right? And we've seen that before with the alchemy rebalancing of limited formats. When we sort of like pare it down, it's like these four card changes are the things that matter. And I bet it's like that and just a few more where you really get to balance things out. And maybe birthday escape costs one and a blue instead of blue or something like mm -hmm. that nerfs blue a ton. Right. Number nine, a mass being largely Grixis only is yet another reason why the format was imbalanced. Yeah, I mean, and this was the last time we saw a mass was War of the Spark. And that's why this sort of gave me some more of the Sparky vibes, because that was also a Grixis format, but largely because of a mass. A mass is just an excellent mechanic. And they don't usually, you know, when you see where a mass is tacked on, it's not like nerfed ever. No, it's just at rate. Like it's priced to move for sure. Yeah. Number 10. Birthday Escape was one of the best commons in the format because of its synergy and how efficiently attempted. Just all of it. Shout out to you. I mean, you were on this week one, week zero. Was this after early access where you're like, Birthday escapes the best blue common. Yeah. And you were also shout out to you earlier about the, you know, Grixis format versus Mardu format of it all. You know, week one, the dad was like, this is a Mardu format. You were like, I don't buy it. <laughs> like, I just I really like sh I say this a lot and I, I will continue to say it. And I'm hashtag very blessed to have you as my podcast co-host. You just get it. Like when the, the formats come out, it's very rare that you're not like zeroing in on the cards that matter and the rules of engagement or whatever, or how to win very early. And I think figuring out the Grixis of it all and also birthday escape as like just cantrip plus is like, yeah, this is the best common. I was like, I don't know, buddy. This seems, <laughs> seems like a pretty hot take, but like, yeah, of course it is. Yeah. I mean, thank you. I, I do think I'm good at that. I think that's a strength of mine. Uh, but it's also where all of my mental energy goes. Like if you watch me, <laughs> if you watch me play in the first week of the format, I play like complete garbage because all I'm doing is thinking about what's good and how cards line up and whatever, you know? Yeah. Who needs triggers? All right. Let's take a quick ad break and we'll be back with the rest of the list. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, Ben, it is my fourth year anniversary from taking the leap to doing content creation full time. That is intense. I, <laughs> I don't think, I mean, obviously I'm still teaching. I don't think I would be brave enough to do that. So props to you. Thank you. Thank you. The, the choice was easy, right? I knew I really wanted to do it. It was just like working out all the other logistics beforehand to make sure it was the right move. It's, it's tough for sure. Like I'm lucky that I had and have such a great support network of friends and family to talk through and weigh the pros and cons of such a big decision. Whether you're dealing with decisions around career, relationships, or anything else, 
Therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life, so you can move forward with confidence and excitement. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Lords today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot slash Lords. And now, back to the show. Number 11, food synergies largely fell flat because of how much less powerful it was than ring tempting slash also because green was kind of bad. But yeah, I mean, just to your point, if you replace, you know, make a food on many partings with ring tempt, green gets a whole heck of a lot better. Well, or if you just turn more ways to turn food into resources that aren't stapled onto creatures, maybe. Like if Shortcut to Mushrooms was a real build around instead of whatever it is, like un- unplayable. Like if there's if there's some sort of a a green version of Fiery Inscription, like for food, not that does mm. damage necessarily, but that is like a legitimate build around for an archetype, then all of a sudden food doesn't fall flat. But like the the all the food payoffs were stapled onto creatures that could get got by Smite the Deathless. And then like, Once you went down the route of I'm going to build a food deck with Peregrine as my payoff and your Peregrine dies, then you're just playing a bunch of bad cards and you have six food on the battlefield and then you lose. Well, and the thing was, was that largely there wasn't time, not that the games were so fast, but you just never felt like you could whatever pay the mana to crack so much food. So the free ways to use your food, like build a pony was so good. Like when you had a lot of food, realizing that mushroom watchdogs really got there. Like when you had ways to cash in those resources without having to invest mana, but just so much had to line up for that to be the case. Well, right. And largely those ways to do it without investing mana were tacked on to creatures. That's what I'm saying. Like you needed yeah. a build around to do it mm-hmm. without mana to make food yeah. more like energy. I agree. Number 12, the official Lords of Limited archetype power rankings. Number one, Blue red. Gotta be number one. Number two, red black when it's uncontested. Number three, blue black. Contentious. Number four, blue white. Is this contentious? I think so. I don't think people think blue black and blue white are that good. I mean, blue white is similar to blue red in that there's so many different flavors. You can do blue white control. You can do blue white tempt aggro. It's so versatile. Blue's incredible. Not contentious for me. I co-signed this list. Oh, that's right. Number five, black, white. Number six, I am shocked you have it so high, red, white. I had it low and then I was like, oh, this isn't right. I got to move this up. <laughs> I had it in eighth. Oh my gosh. I think it could, you could even make a case that it's ahead of black, white, I think. Yeah, I like it where it is. Number seven, green, black. Number eight, green, white. Number nine, red, green. And number 10, blue, green. And honestly, like you should remove these like four green archetypes and just have like green at the bottom green xxx whatever you know like sometimes you were in straight green black straight green white weirdly two duck cubed is like getting into blue green scry and seven owing and posting it on twitter i don't know what's happening over there in these latter weeks of the format but i'm just saying like you should not be getting into like two color green decks all that often i saw that tweet where he 14 owed and then matched against him that day 
and he promptly smashed me with the world's best blue red deck. And I was like, where are these garbage <laughs> blue green red decks at, friend? I was like, this four color monstrosity. S- savage. <laughs> Number 13. If you weren't careful, you could actually run out of gas in this format. Another very astute observation from Mr. Ben Werney was that, like, there's not that many two for ones in the format. It's why he loves Lorien Revealed. It's why he loves Arwen's Gift, right? It's why he loves the Bath Song. There's not a ton of ways to get ahead on cards in that way. Well, and I love a good control deck. And it's been so hard to play control recently because it's hard to undo your opponent's value that they've acquired. Or there's been such individually powerful cards that, yeah, you could take control of the game and then still lose to a late game rare or mythic rare. And when that's the case, you're much less incentivized to play control. Yeah, just that was, I think, my favorite part of this format was that you had to... Be careful about the types of cards you played and how you built your deck to not run out of cards. And if you weren't blue, you better believe you had to be ring tempting a ton to not run out of gas or to flood. And and the fact that there were ways to mitigate it for every color was cool, too. Like took a while for green. I think that's partially why green took so long to evolve was that the trick to green not running out of gas was just getting the land count way lower. Right. Yeah. As we'll talk about in just a little bit. Number 14. There was a ton of competition in the four drop slot in Lord of the Rings. I feel like we say this, this all is the time. Evergreen. Yeah, no, but but it was like really a big deal in Lord of the Rings. Was there anything that you felt specifically like? Are you thinking about any specific cards of like, man, there was always a choke point for this or like never had room for this card or always felt nervous about drafting this card? Like, are, are you thinking about anything in particular? Yeah, I could rattle off a list of like 10 cards. I think top of the list for me is Torment of Gollum. Like yes. that card, that card is incredible. But like, if you're picking Torment of Gollum super highly, and I think which you know, rightfully, you could make a case for that. The card is excellent. Then you end up with three copies of Torment of Gollum. Maybe you want a Faramir. Maybe you like have I don't know Maneldor. Like, there's just yeah. rock solid ca- cards in the four drop slot that are like B minuses, mm-hmm. not even C pluses. And it's just tough to balance all that. I think you can really get your four drop slot clogged if you're not careful in the format in a hurry. Well, and especially because you had such good role players that again, were not like, I mean, maybe what is it? Protector of Gondor is in the top white commons. That's the three and a white three, three come comes with a one, one um, relentless Rohirrim. Right. And not... then your red white deck also wants Urkenbrand. Like, right. <laughs> like there's just so many cards that go in the archetypes mm. that do work. And I think it's because, those four drops that would normally be filler, like Relentless Rohirrim going into the format, would have thought complete filler, the 4-3 that tempts you. Yes. I would have thought hoping to never play that card, most likely. And it turns out, like, yeah, sign me up. Like, actively happy to run multiple copies of that card, you know? Yeah, I no, totally agree. Number 15, Saga's made a return and honestly felt a little clunky without... A little something, something, whether it's read ahead, whether it's they flip into creatures the last chapter. But I think part of it was that almost all of these had a chapter that was just sort of like, eh, like even we're about to do an uncommon saga power rankings. But even the rares, I was like, could you just maybe do a little something here? Like <laughs> scroll of Isildur, the blue one, right? The tuna blue and the second two chapters are great. Tap two things, they stay tapped, then draw a card for each creature your opponent controls that's tapped. Really good. First chapter, steal an <laughs> artifact, the ring tempts you, like, which you can also fizzle 
Like if I go cracking food, if, yeah. if I go to steal your treasure and you just crack the treasure, then I don't even get it. Like, I'm just like, could you do something like there and back again? I'm like, could you just do something instead of get me a mountain before I get smog? You know, well, I feel like they lacked a little bit. This point came out after I was playing some DMU. The first time I cast a DMU saga and the little thing popped up, like which chapter <laughs> do you want to start on? I was like, oh, hello there. I forgot about Rita Head. Yeah, Rita <laughs> what an amazing mechanic. Real good. All right, so we have the Uncommon Saga power rankings here. Not at all biased in any way by what Ben loves to do in the format. Number one, the bath song. I mean, that is unbiased, my friend. That's Number true. two, Book of Miserable. Number three, I honestly want to swap, I think. Number three, Oath of the Grey Host. Number four, Tale of Tenuvial. What's this at, at the end? Which one is here at the end at number five? I can't oh quite God. read it. <laughs> the long list of the ends, which was possibly my worst take from the uh, pre-release discussion. your worst take ever <laughs> in like, really the history bad. of the podcast card evaluation, <laughs> which is hilarious because, and I can't believe you didn't decide to just like have a way to wreck me uh, about my take on Entraft Basin. We, so, we somehow like just left that in the dust after week one. <laughs> I mean, we don't want bad press for the podcast. <laughs> That's fair. That's Those were embarrassing that. takes from both of us. Enough of that out there, I guess. Number 16. The bass song is broken. This has to be your favorite card in a maybe ever, like in a long time. Yeah, I feel very passionately about the bass song. It might be my favorite because it's not quite a build around but it's like kind of a build around it is mm -hmm. i think if you're maximizing it you're drafting it like a build around but i don't understand why no one else loves it as much as i do like <laughs> i just i feel like i see the matrix about bath song i do too because i i, I remember there was a, a time early in the format where i had it uh in my hand and you were watching me on stream and i was trying to figure out like when to play it and you just like knew confidently about the time to play it which is often just like as early as possible and in my mind i like want to play it a little later but you're like you see the thing about chapter three i think more clearly than most like how good that blue blue is. Well, it surprises me every time. Still, <laughs> I mean, I would like to say that, but I'm like, oh, I still get this. But yeah, like, I, I mean, the time to play it is the first time you feel like you can play it without dying. Just like as soon as possible, because the card selection you get is so powerful, right? You have so many options. I was playing Ticket to Ride with my family last night. Have you ever played that? Uh huh. Like with the trains. And I was just like draw two off the top of the deck over and over and over trying to get wild cards like I was just biding my time because once you have all those trains in your hand like you have so much flexibility like just the optionality you have is so powerful and mm -hmm. everybody else like you can see where they're going when they're picking up the colors they need and bath song like seeing the new cards is that way like when you see six new cards over two turns like your game plan can change drastically and that the sooner you get it down the sooner you get to make those choices absolutely also looping yeah like, right i mean like two of them looping samwise being in there splashing revive the shire that was a real thing to do in the format there were some games that came down to decking and you didn't always need it lots of times shuffling your graveyard in once was enough but man felt good knowing you could do it two or three times <laughs> number 17 x ones have never been worse and one threes have never been better I, I just like i've never felt a harder stance against two mana two ones than I do in this format. 
What's the name of the red 2-1 that pings you? I just don't know the name of that card because I hate it so much. Something Ember something? I have no idea. Yeah, there's there's an Ember in there some somewhere. Yeah, I hate that card. Took Reaper, hate that card. The 2-mana two 2-1 in white when it dies attempts you. I just like, basically the only X ones I want to play are Gollum and Samwise. Uh, I like a Westfold Rider now and again as well. That's the three one that's actually to blow up an artifact or an enchantment. I, I, I came up on that one too. Yeah, but that in my mind is not a, that's not a creature. That's just a disenchant. Like I'm happy to play it, but yeah. Yeah, I hear the, that. The one toughness is, is rough. And one three is great. Yes, I feel like that is a true just statement about the format for sure. Number 18, Lord of the Rings was one of the least bomby sets we've ever seen, but the bombs that did exist hit hard. Top of the heap, Anduril. That is, I don't know if I've ever felt so firmly a, well, I lose when I see that card. Like, and that's part of why, you know, I, I like the Westfold Rider. I do like having those outs to blowing up just the handful of artifacts and enchantments that are so tough. Yeah, uh, it, it's beatable, but it's very hard to beat. Like, you have to be able to tempo your opponent out a couple times and you have to be ahead, yes. I think, when they play it. Number two, Orcish Bowmaster, Scourge of Limited, Scourge of Modern. It's got to be playable in Vintage, right? I don't know. Not tapped in on what's going on in Vintage. Number three, the Witch King of Angmar. This is another card that I'm often like, wait, what? How am I supposed to beat this? Like it turns a winnable game into quite unwinnable. And you know what is really bad against Witch King? First Strike. Because it triggers twice. <laughs> Kill a few. You found that out the hard way? I certainly did. It's like, I was like, well, I, can, I think I can like outrace this thing. And then I was like, I have to sack two creatures now. <laughs> That's unfortunate. No, I lose. Number four, Palantir of Orthanc. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think still overrated, but it's 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 pretty busted. And number five, Faramir, or uh, what is it? Un, Unfaramir? Unfaramir. God, that card is ridiculous. That card... Got, you know, I don't read the rares and mythics ahead of time or mm. even throughout the format. Lots yes, of times. <laughs> I do know. I do know <laughs> that, that card, about you. That card got played against me at the pre-release. And that was the first time I'd seen it. And I was like, excuse me, you get to do what? And then I did a judge call to see if I killed it during my turn, if they still got the trigger at my end step. And the judge was like, yeah. I was like, what? It's <laughs> not remotely close to okay. It does feel like the fact that that does happen doesn't feel right to me in like the world of magic. I'm like, why? Why is it worded like that? Reflexive triggers, baby. Thank you. Thank you so much. Number 19, the official Land Cycler power rankings. And also just a spot to talk about these cards. But number one, Lorraine Revealed. Number two, Generous Ent. Number three, Troll of Kazadoom. Number four, Eagles of the North. And number five, Oliphant. You put that list in our notes here. I'm so proud. We got you Me. going on the lists. I can do lists. I can do them. <laughs> I can list with the best of them. Um, <laughs> one mana land cyclers. Back to back with two mana land cyclers in March of the Machines. It's a pretty, uh, pretty big difference, huh? Yeah, one is a lot less than two. But also, I think... These being stapled onto cards that were good, whereas... Some the, of them. The, yeah, some of them. But even the, then, I think the one mana made up for also them not being great, right? Like, Oliphant was largely irrelevant, except when it wasn't. I mean, sometimes mm -hmm. that card won some games for you, but generally a clunky way to try to win a game. And so there were certainly some schools of thought where you just replace these one for one with lands, right? You know, you have five land cyclers, 
and you play 12 lands. Um, I'm not quite as extreme with those because you know, certainly with Lorien Revealed, I'm like, I actually would love to be able to cast this as much as possible. Cards like the reason that, you know, I think there's a pretty big gap after number three here is that Eagles of the North and Oliphant, I am hoping to not cast a lot. So this feels like, well, most of the time, whatever, 90% of the time, they're tapped lands. So I don't love that so much but there's a sweet spot there and being able to cheat on lands and figuring out your mana base i think was uh one of the the more fun things about this format right and they were a huge part of the green decks getting down to 12 or 13 lands for Mm -hmm. sure but yeah i don't think it was a hard and fast rule for me i think you had to know what your deck wanted and there, there were a lot of times playing blue decks that i was happy playing 17 lands in a control deck plus three land cyclers, right? Because right. you just never wanted to miss a land drop. Well, and especially if you had a good bit of ring tempting, then I was also like, well, I'm I'm not mad about playing more lands because I've got this built-in hand-smoothing mechanic, this built-in flood insurance um, with the ring tempting. Yeah, this cycle was awesome and a huge part, I think, of the format being awesome. Mm-hmm. Number 20, lots of fixing is in the set, but not all of it is created equal. Top of the heap, many partings in Woe's Pathfinder. Following that, the land cyclers. And following that, inherited envelope, and I think largely off the back of, you know, three mana. Mana rocks aren't always great, but having access to and the ring tempts you was pretty big there. And then bottom of the list here, Entis Restoration, Shire Terrace, and Wizard's Rockets were were all cards I largely hoped to never play. Did I play them? Yes. Shire Terrace was never, but like, it was a necessary evil. It was like, am I putting this in my deck? Yes. Does that mean my deck is bad? Yes. Like, yeah. Shire, something went wrong if you were playing a Shire Terrace. Well, there were spots, I think, where you're like, well, I'm running basics anyway. But yeah, you're right. Like it just it was indicative of probably a greedy mana base because tapping Terrace and another land to find the thing was just so, so much mana, two whole mana to go evolving wilds. It's not worth it. That's like that's a turn cycle early in the game to fix your mana. It's real rough. Also, you didn't have Shire Scarecrow on this list. Did you never salvage some mana bases with the old Shire Scarecrow? It was that card. So I would put that in the I hope to never play part of this list. I would also, but I think it's the top of the heap of the hope to never play for me. I want to run a Shire Scarecrow before I want to put Shire Terrace in my deck. That's true. I'll buy that for sure. Number 21, many partings and land cyclers let green decks cheat on lands. This was huge to help green decks compete in the card advantage department, as we talked about, right? Being able to go down to 14, 13, maybe 12 lands in your green decks, if you had the sources to do so, that was how you stopped flooding in those decks. Number 22, your boy Frodo Baggins was the most important card for the Legends deck. And honestly, that's that's a flavor win for this set, that Frodo Baggins was a good card, was a great card. Um, yeah, r- really incredible, super snowball-y, um, a-, a reason to get into the Legends deck, certainly a reward for, you know, bopping into that deck for no reason. Like, you know, uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was a very, very good card. Well, and I think, too, a win for the format that largely if you were casting characters from Lord of the Rings... They were good cards, right? Because somebody coming into the format is going to want to play with those cards. I think other than Gimli and Legolas kind of got the shaft a little bit. (laughs) But uh, other than that, like if you're playing with a recognizable character from Lord of the Rings, like I think you're doing some good stuff. Well, and speaking of number 23, Aemer of the Rittermark wins games. I had someone in my stream yesterday asking me that like you and I seemed pretty lockstep of Aemer being the top uncommon in the set. 
And I said, yeah. And they were like, I have fear fire foes there. I was like, that's fine too. I mean, it's close, but I think in this day and age and limited, I take threats over answers basically any day of the week. And Amor is a threat with a capital T. Yeah, that's what I was going to say too. Like it's proactivity versus reactivity, right? Mm. Like your fear fire foes is excellent, like no qualms there. And I certainly wouldn't even push back that hard against you picking it ahead of Amor if you want to do that. Amor just closes out the game so fast Mm -hmm. the way no other card in the format can. Like every time I'm playing against a red deck, I think I'm fine unless they have Amor here on turn five. Mm -hmm. And if they do, like I lose. Yep. So much of the time. Number 24, blue red had three incredibly powerful uncommons for its archetype. Like, how is this fair that it gets Gandalf Sanction, Fiery Inscription, and Bilbo Retired Burglar? It's completely unfair. Those were all three of those were in our top 10 uncommons list for prepping for the PT. Mm-hmm. And I think a nod too to how versatile blue red was, right? Like you could build blue red as a turbo temp deck. You could build it as a turbo kill you spells deck. You could build it as a blue red control deck. It just was so flexible and so powerful. Number 25, Great Hall of the Citadel enabled you to play all the legends that came around way too late. Another really fun discovery of the format. Yeah, that was the best part of me coming to visit you was just <laughs> jamming legends over and over after we seven extra the twice. Yeah, I like just the fact and this was a perfect example of seeing the card across the battlefield a couple times, right? Certainly wrote it off initially as like, this is an F, this is terrible. Seeing it across the battlefield a few times, like certainly someone going like forest, forest, great hall, Bilbo. And you're like, what garbage is this? <laughs> and then starting to go like, well, maybe you're onto something. And the, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle, but uh, it certainly lets you do a thing. I think great hall decks distinct from you know, green-based multicolor decks. There's overlap, but the Great Hall Legends deck is its own thing. Completely agree. And again, another instance of like, this is a great way that the format is accessible to everyone to play because of how cleanly it was designed. But putting a card like Great Hall, the Citadel, like entertains you and I Mm -hmm. like four or five weeks in the format, just including a card like that that spawns its own archetype is awesome. Number 26, the One Ring was an excellent build around. Did you even need to build around it? You did. You needed ways to sacrifice it, I think, for it okay. to really be good. Otherwise, it just killed you in a normal game of limited. Like, you couldn't go nuts with it. I think you wanted ways to sacrifice it. Also, huge shout out to the One Ring and the Mount Doom combo, where Mount Doom could let you sacrifice the One Ring to do like a, a Plague Wind on your opponent. That was just very cool. I mean, that's a flavor win, right? You chuck One Ring into Mount Doom and leave only two creatures alive like come on yeah that's that's pretty killer it is a good one number 27 the top common of each color and this is undisputed no one would ever disagree with this <laughs> in black we have dunland crabane in blue birthday escape in red rally at the hornburg in white errand rider of gondor in green we're not lined up i'm i'm on uh, i'm on many partings and I could be talked into many partings. I kind of want to say Generous End, but then I was also wondering about Woe's Pathfinder. It's definitely one of those three. It's definitely, definitely, definitely one, of, those one three. of those three. That's right. Yeah, that's a tough one to say for sure. Number 28, one mana tricks were excellent. Some of them. Yeah, but I think the ones that were good were very good. So like to see the messenger, absolutely premium. The, the blue shrinker thing, minus three, minus O, and then a mass one. Shelob's Ambush, also, I think, underappreciated by me. Like, I just 
kept getting crushed by it all format and probably didn't play it as much as I was getting crushed by it. But that's probably because I didn't play black as much, I guess. Yeah, I think both of those cards shout out to the data for me. Like I would not appreciate either of those cards really that much if it weren't for the data first being like shining a light on them. And then, you know, that that makes me pay attention to them in game, which then makes me pay attention to them in draft more, you know, so I, I agree with those. And then it fell off after that, right? Escape from Orthanc. Pippin's bravery, rush the room. I could is rush the room just plus one plus oh and first strike. There's haste on there too. Some way of the creature's legendary, maybe or something truly, like that. Truly, never cast rush the room. Yeah, but I, and again, I think this is an odd to format imbalance, right? The the two best tricks are black and blue. While they're yeah. also getting ring tempting, while they're also getting blah 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 blah. You know, so maybe you switch this around, and maybe the two best tricks are green and white, and then like green white food aggro is better. Who knows? But just black and blue continuing to get some love here. Number twenty nine, the Golden Egg Award for Lord of the Rings: Tales of Middle Earth, Peller Gear Survivor. You love to see it. I think and I I think you and I are in agreement again without without discussing the rules of the Golden Egg Award ahead of time. (laughs) So let's let's try and define the characteristics of the Golden Egg, right? I think it has to be a common. Yes, has to be a common for sure. Has to be a common and it cannot be a top common, right? So I was chatting about this on stream and folks were saying rally because like the idea is that it's a glue card, right? It, It glues multiple archetypes together. And while Rally does do that, also part of this is an opportunity for us to talk about as many things from the format as possible. But we've got plenty of time to talk about Rally, right? We've already shouted it out as Red's Top Common, right? This category is an opportunity for us to shed light on perhaps a lesser appreciated card. And Pelagir Survivor really did that, right? Shout out to Two Mana One Three, shout out to it being able to splash removal in other colors. If you ended up in blue black and wanted to splash a Fearfire Foes, whatever, you could do that. And also shout out to it's a win condition. I've won games by milling people with Pelagir Survivor. I have clocked like, oh no, if I don't draw a removal spell soon, I'm going to lose to that Pelagir Survivor. Like the card is really good. And I think I would say too, I think there's a a feeling in the Lords of Limited Discord that maybe it should be colorless or is better if it's colorless. And I think great if it's colorless, but I think also maybe a trait of the Golden Egg Award is if it's not colorless, it's an underappreciated common in an often played color mm. so that it feels kind of colorless, like a card that you're seeing a lot, but that isn't like the power level of rally. Cause I also right. would like to say rally, but I feel like that is too powerful. And one of the, one of the earliest recipients of the golden egg award was forbidden friendship from Aquaria. And you know, that's sort of rally adjacent, but certainly not the top red common in that format. Not that I could certainly remember what it was. Oh, fire prophecy. There we go. Ding did it. Um, <laughs> But uh, <laughs> how much space of your brain is taken up by stuff like that? But I wonder all the time. There's just a whole labyrinth of processing power that slowed down my magic cards up there. Congratulations to Pelagir Survivor. And ultimately, it's just whatever card you and I pick. So That's right. there, there's, the criteria is very loose we, as well. We have the microphones and you don't. <laughs> Number 30, the a new award here. We're giving out the Imperial Oath Clunky Overperformer Award. This is it's pretty close. I think you could make a case for Generous Antir. I think that's uh, the runner-up. But for us, Banish from Edoras, right? This b- oh, big five-mana sorcery speed, kill a thing. Nah, Banish is good. Banish is just good. 
Yeah, I think that again, like this went from a card that I would have thought hoping to never cast or put in my deck to like, yeah, I'll play two copies of Banish. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Number 31, you can turbo ring tempt with two copies of Stamwise the Stouthearted. I got to do this in early access. And really, I have to say I was chasing that dragon ever since. Did you know it was going to work? No, but but I was like, I was like, I think this will work. But let's find out. So what you can do is right, you have a Samwise in play, flash in the other one. The you, it legend rules itself. You put the one that was already in the battlefield into the graveyard. It triggers. Get Samwise that went to the graveyard back. Ring tempts. Bada bing, bada boom. Rinse, repeat. You're off to the races. You told me this worked. And the first time I did it, I was like, I'm really nervous about this because <laughs> I was doing it for no value other than ring tempting. And I was like, please work, please work, please work. And then it did. And I was like, yes. Yeah, just <laughs> juggling Samwises. Similarly, but not as effectively, you could do it with Gollum, Patient Plotter, and Haunt of the Dead Marshes, right? Because then Gollum gave you a legendary in play to get Haunt back. And then once Gollum died, sack Haunt, rinse, repeat. There you go. Yeah, a lot more mana intensive, that one. Mm-hmm. Number 32, War of the Last Alliance, tutoring up Shadow Facts was cheating. Here was, here was the question. What, what did you do? Did you get Shadow Facts on the first chapter just to let your opponent know you're about to get owned? Because I really liked to be like, oh, I'm just going to get Faramir. Oh, yeah, maybe I'll cast it. Oh, I don't even have blue mana. And then chapter two, Shadow Facts. Boom. Here's Shadow Facts. Here's Faramir. You're done. Yeah, that's strong. I also had a War of the Last Alliance deck with double of the rare Faramir. <laughs> I just I searching up a copy on chapter one and chapter two. Okay, that Yeah, that's more busted, I guess. Number 33, the scry deck fell the flattest of any of the two color archetypes. Never got this together. It's it's heyday was in early access when I crushed some people with it and then promptly never played it again. <laughs> what was the green 3-2 that you were like, this card's busted? Glorfindel. Never, never cast that card. <laughs> really? Yeah. No, that was definitely, if you were doing blue-green scry, Glorfindel was a house. Like you needed to go Lothlorien lookout into Glorfindel. On the play, that curve is very good. It's garbage on the draw, though. That's the problem. Mm. Yeah. So, so trinkety that sort of like scry plus scry matters, that kind of thing. It's sort of, it's similar to like the food plus food matters. I don't know why that feels different than spells plus spells matter, you know? Yeah. I also couldn't say. Number 34, please don't play Mordor Trebuchet. Please. Sorry. It's the, the Lord's Limited PSA. Just don't put this in your deck. You don't need it. And you and and as soon as when you feel if you hear that and you feel a little voice like bubbling up in you, a little frog (laughs) in your throat, that's like, but I have uh, but it goes with like just 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 shove it down. Crush that (laughs) deep down. Put that card in your sideboard. Number 35, (laughs) Tale of Tenuvial was the most misunderstood, underappreciated card of the set, I think. I love this card. I know you do. And the wild thing is. I love this card also. I didn't play with it after week one, I don't think, and loved it week one. I wow. just, I don't know if I didn't pick it highly enough. It, I, it would not wheel for me. Mm. <laughs> I wanted to wheel it. Can I give an honorable mention here to Gimli's Axe as another you, misunderstood card? You can. You're a valued member of this podcast. <laughs> okay, great. I just, needed, <laughs> I just needed to mention Gimli's Axe once in the 50 takes. <laughs> Number 36, Nasty End was critical 
for non-blue black decks. I mean, this is all you, baby. Like I, I co-signed this, but this you were on this way earlier than I was. Well, and it goes back to the if you're not careful, you can run out of gas, right? And then mm. nasty end is like black's ninth best common and is still awesome for every non-blue <laughs> black deck because mm. you can make small things that don't matter, your mass tokens, whatever legendary, and draw three. You can blow out removal from your opponent, targeting your good legendaries, draw three. The card was just excellent. Number 37, Goldberry River Daughter can give you extra saga chapters. I mean, you know what's better than draw two, discard one on the bath song twice? Doing it more than twice. <laughs> Doing it more than twice. It's broken. And then draw, then moving that saga counter onto another creature and drawing a card or onto your land and drawing a card, whatever. Goldberry was fun. Not great, but fun. Yes. Went from F to like, I want to play with this card for me. Yeah, yeah. And I had that one three stat line too. Number 38, triple F, Fear Fire Foes is Plague Wind. Yeah, I mean, we've alluded to it a little bit with, well, it's close to AM or whatever. It's up there. Certainly the second best uncommon overall for me. And just really very often felt like Plague Wind. Like you're, if you have that in your hand and your opponent goes like, X1, X1, 3, 3. You're just like licking your lips. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's just like this feeling of like, I'm about to get you. And you always have that feeling yourself when you're facing a mountain of like, how much do I overextend into this? Yeah. Number 39, because of the ring, there are a lot more legendary creatures than you think. So cards like Lost to Legend, there are more historic targets for that. Cards like Ereth, there are more legendary creatures for you to untap. Cards like You Cannot Pass, there are more legendary creatures for you to be blocking or get blocked for you to use that as removal. It's just like, if you're coming back to this set, if you didn't play it a lot, whatever, that's something that's not immediately apparent when you're um, looking at your deck, when you're drafting, and when you're evaluating these cards. Number 40. Aura-based removal is unplayable. Yes, even Morgul Knife Wound. Yes, if it's an aura, just don't put it in your deck. A Witching Leechcraft, what's the white one? Fog at the Barrow Downs. Ooh, pulled it out of nowhere. There we go. Those three cards, just don't do it. Similar to the Mordor Trebuchet, just, just take that voice and just, just put push it. it. The exception is Sideboard and Best of Three. Yes, mm-hmm. Be and aware. I think you want copies of them in the sideboard in best of three. And sometimes they're not terrible, but you should generally be not playing. <laughs> Didn't you just say to take that voice and shove it down and then you just like <laughs> let it come out? You're like, well, but sometimes <laughs> I did. It's unbelievable. I can't help myself. Number the optimist, you know me. Number 41, File of Galadriel was surprisingly powerful i thought that this was just like worse than inherited envelope because it didn't ring tempt no this card is just like so so snowbally yeah way better it's i would say uh, one of the best rares in the set top 10 rares in the set top 15 rares in the set it might be top 15 yeah i don't think top 10 but it's really powerful you have to do some work right but like if you get empty-handed with file you just stay empty-handed while you're drawing two cards a turn well and and file was like a reason to build a sweet deck with some food too, right? Because like the life gain clause, if all of a sudden when your food's cracking for six life, like holy cow, is that broken? Number 42, ways to interact with artifacts and enchantments was a must 
for best of three. And honestly, like didn't mind having a way in best of one, a little Westfold Rider or whatever. Right. Well, and uh, Cast into the Fire, Exile and Artifact. Like I wasn't playing whatever, a Shower of Arrows, I think is what it's called. That's the like naturalize in green. Oh, you I didn't live playing. enough, baby. Were you really main decking that in best of one? In the Bath Song decks where I was splashing green? You better believe it. Oh my God, the man, I told you, it's like, I don't, I'm just not used to you going deeper than me in these formats. <laughs> Number 43, Herodrum Spearmaster has reach. Number 44, Mirkwood Bats, not even close to playable. Not even close to playable, let alone busted. Like, I just don't, did this even make waves in Commander where people were scared of it? Was it scary in Commander? Yeah, because it's like each opponent, right? So it. Like, I don't know, you can, I don't know. I don't know. I, I thought I was go. I thought this card was bad, but that I would want to play with it. And it turned out it was so bad. <laughs> I didn't even want to play with it at all. Wow. That's rough. Number 45, Saruman's Trickery is mini Mystic Snake. And what is it? Top, top uncommon among top users. And that's the Ben Werney data guarantee. And, and all users now. Oh my gosh. I just looked last night while I was making the list. Saruman's trickery is so good. It's yeah. really Remember good. when you didn't like this? This might have been your other egregious take. I do. I, what's, why are we shouting out? my? Can we just get back to praising me about how good I am? I have to balance it out. Every, every praise, I have to remind you that you thought long list of the Ents was a B or whatever. And number 46, Phantom Monster is back. Yeah, Maneldor really really could do work like no longer will we say four mana three three flyer is bad right i mean it's probably going to be bad again like, i mean this it, was a throwback like that's but, like well, that's but, part of the thing right this was simpler times when four mana three three flying was good sure so I, i'm saying literal phantom monster i don't think will be great but phantom monster with significant upside right this was this was really good what was your do you have a memory of your best maneldor blink i mine was most commonly with mouth of Sauron to uh to mill them out or just keep making larger mass tokens i did mouth of sauron i did bill bill was a good feeling just Ooh, lots of food like yeah. when you're trying to stabilize against an aggressive deck yeah number 47 gothmog morgul lieutenant gave all tokens death touch it's not just your mass it's your 1-1 humans from Rally. It's your 1-1 spirits from uh, Oath, right? You're just getting death touch value with Gothmog. Yeah, card is kill on sight target for sure. Mm -hmm. Number 48, Lord of the Rings was generally a sweeper free land. One ring to rule them all, not great. Battle of Bywater, not great. Spiteful Banditry was truly excellent. That was the rare red, red mythic enchantment that lets you deal X damage equal to what you paid. Is Fearfire Foes better than Spiteful Banditry? No, not a chance. I think it might be. No. I think there's a chance. I think no. there is. Uh, okay, well, I, I, you said I'm a respected member of this podcast, <laughs> and I don't feel respected right now. <laughs> like, I will say that Fearfire Foes, like one of the hallmarks of, I don't feel like an oppressive limited format is when there's too many sweepers. And you often categorize this as like, it feels bad to have cards that 
punish you for playing by the rules of engagement for the format, right? So like that's why White Sun's Twilight in Phyrexia All V1 felt so bad. It was like you have to play to the board. You have to get on board. And then there were a few cards that were like, ah, 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 <laughs> that was a bad move. And you're like, but how was I supposed to know? In this format, the fact that they didn't really exist felt good. And the fact that you knew that mostly they were targeting your X1s like Fear Fire Foes and Black Breath, also great. Um, I just think was was nice for the format to not have that feel bad of uh you know wanting to play to the board yeah i think point for me on main deck black breath as well oh yeah i'm just i look praise 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 (laughs) 49 lord of the rings did an excellent job balancing being friendly and welcoming to new players while still very interesting for enfranchised players Not, not much more to say about that right just like it felt great week one and felt great week seven yeah, I, I could do a draft right now and be highly entertained. And honestly, the games were so fun too. Yeah. Like the thing, the decks that you drafted did fun things. Mm-hmm. It was just fun. I that's like the highest compliment. Like I don't normally think about that. I mean, LSV I think talks about that a lot on LR. That's that is my memory of this set. Is going to be my memory. Is that the set was fun? Like it's the fourth. I had, F. I had a lot of fun. The fourth F. Fear, fire, foes, fun. <laughs> And honestly, that's got to be an impressive design feat as well, like making the entry level so low, but also making the ceiling of it quite high for people like you and I. Yeah. Number 50, Lord of the Rings is the best summer set we've had since starting the podcast. Not close. Not close. Yeah, I I would agree. I do not like core sets. You uh, of the two of us, you like them more than I do. And you know, we've had varying ones over whatever core 19, 20 and 21 before getting uh, Adventures in Forgotten Realms and then uh, Alchemy Horizons Baldur's Gate last summer. This is just far and away has blown those sets out of the water. Yes, like this might crack my top 10 all time. Like, I I don't think it's top five. It's I think pretty easily top 10. And maybe that's some recency bias. But I, I think again, certainly top 10 of arena formats. Oh, yeah, for sure. But yeah, I think too, like, Following March of the Machines and just like holding up this hard, like I, I you could hand me a March of the Machines draft right now. I, I might choose Lord of the Rings. You like, didn't like March that much. That's not. I, a, yeah, I enjoyed March of the Machines. <laughs> I think the drafting got a little repetitive because of how strict the rules were in March of the Machine because of the bombs. Like that's what that's the difference to me. Like I felt like I if I were trying to win in March of the Machines and I didn't see rares. I had to do black red or I had to do blue white. Like mm-hmm. you had to steer towards something that could let you close the game out. Lord of the Rings feels more like a sandbox that I get to play in. This is perhaps the first time for me as a lover of rares and a lover of bombs where I was like, I get it. Like usually like DMU, I did not love. And I know one of the features of DMU was that most of the rare, like it, it wasn't bomby. Most of the rares weren't very good. And so the, it was, you know, the uncommons and the commons were what dictated a lot of your decks. And that leads to me feeling like the drafts are kind of samey. Like when you get in, it's hard to get different flavors of decks. A lot of the time didn't feel that way in the set for whatever reason. I think that's partially because of the build around not quite build around but we'll, we'll say for lack of a better word the build around nature of a lot of the uncommons and that you had a lot of power there it felt like you still got power without sacrificing that like wild inconsistency of like you're gonna see uncommons right so it's not like 
you felt like in mom, sometimes you're like, man, I didn't just didn't see. I just opened dud, dud, dud. And I am now I know I'm going to be up against it at some point in my league. That doesn't happen in LTR. Right. Well, and I think there were some some good rares sprinkled throughout sure. and also some cool build arounds like Doors of Durin. Like if I open Doors of Durin, you better believe I'm slamming it and, and drafting the, around it. And the build around there is you have creatures. Yeah, that's I mean, you, you have creatures you, that are you, in red green. Are you, you land cyclers higher? Don't be don't be that way. <laughs> I have to be that way. Look, Mr. Blue Red two creatures. Yeah, you got to do a little little different work. Don't be that way. He says, I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> And on that note, we're sending we're sending Lord of the Ring out in style. Great place I, to wrap us up. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thanks so much to CoolStuffInc.com for sponsoring this podcast. If you're heading over there for anything and everything magic-related or otherwise, grab those board games. As Ben said, Ticket to Ride, shout out. Also, possible sponsor in the future. Who knows? <laughs> um, if you're heading over there for uh, for anything and everything magic or otherwise, please use code LOL at checkout to let them know we sent you there and to get 5% off anything you purchase. You can check all of our content out at lordsoflimited.com. That's where you find access to our tier list, access to our merch over at TeePublic, access to our Twitch streams and our YouTube channel, where you can also find video versions of the podcast and access to our social media links. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. Really appreciate your support. Cannot they thank you? <clears throat> what are you smirking at me for? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs>